Hola, hola. Welcome to the Breakthrough Brand Show. I'm Fabi Paolini, and my mission on this podcast is to give you behind-the-scenes stories, anecdotes, and unique perspectives behind building a premium brand that makes a real impact. I believe that when you create a message that is aligned with your truth, you can have the breakthroughs that changes lives. Each week, me and my guests share with you how we're making an impact with our message and the stories behind our success. So that being said, let's dive into today's episode. We're here. Welcome, Axel. Welcome. Yeah, hi, Fabi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm really glad that you invited me. Yeah, me too. Well, can you share with us well, a little bit, actually, before I ask you to share about your story, tell us what you do in your own words. Yeah, I basically do two things, and you kind of mentioned it already. Um, after I basically finished my military work, which brought me to the United States, and then had four years as an executive in a software company, I started my own business. And that originally first business, which, by the way, still ex- exists, and we started in 2005, uh, is a consulting company and it's a very long story that I don't want to bore you with but for some strange reason as a retired military officer I kind of flowed into the life science and, and pharmaceutical space and till this day I'm still doing uh, consulting work mainly helping executives and for projects in pharmaceutical companies from any size startup to other but then the other thing which is what you mentioned about the time freedom point mm-hmm. when i when i basically got into this from the military where you're super protected into the the corporate world and realizing that i you know i had done 22 years in the air force so i didn't have a wow. full career ahead of me anymore i mm-hmm. realized if i were to wait to get to kind of some sort of a camp company pension or so forth i, I would run out of time or i would have to you know work forever so I basically started thinking, what can I do to expedite that process and discovered at the time, at the same time as we started the, the, the consulting business, that very successful people were investing in real estate. And I started to do the same thing. And over the years, when people asked me, oh, what are you up to? And kind of stuff like that, I told them, oh, yeah, I'm looking at this house and I'm kind of looking to increase the rent on that house. And so I got more and more encouraged um, to maybe formalize the whole thing more into a model. And so that's where Time Freedom Point comes from. It's basically a point in the calendar in the future where you reach the freedom to determine what you want to do with your time because you have income sources that pay you regardless whether you work or not. Oh, I love that. So powerful. I'm curious, is it challenging to... Um, explain this to clients because we live in such a world that is all about immediate results. And with what you do, you have to look at it in the long term. So I, I, I'm curious to hear about how your, I mean, I'm sure that the clients that you work with understand, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to hear what your perspective around this is. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that they immediately understand all the details in the beginning. But what I try to do initially is almost more like a synopsis or like a little overview that is as simple as possible. And if you like, I can maybe spend a minute and try to explain it. And then you tell me it's easy enough to understand or not. So the idea fundamentally is that when you want to purchase a house, the same thing like what if as if you were to move in, but you purchase it to rent it to other people. Mm -hmm. The main goal to say, is it performing well? 
would be to say, if I buy a house, let's say for $150,000, I get 80% of that amount from the bank as a mortgage and 20% of my own money, basically $30,000. So now I have to pay the mortgage, property taxes, insurance, and somebody to manage it unless the house is right next door. Mm-hmm. Right. So that being said, is it realistic that a house like that could get $1,500, dollars $1, in rent? And I would say in most places, that's very realistic, right? I mean, you might find some remote spots. Now, if you then go and say, how much does it actually cost me to pay the mortgage, the property tax, the insurance, and my property manager? You will find out that the difference between what you have to pay and the, what you're actually getting from rent, initially, if it's a good deal, a good purchase, gives you, let's say, $250 a mm-hmm. month in what we call cash flow, or you could call it profit. Mm-hmm. So if you say, just for the sake of argument, I need $5,000 a month before I can say I reached my time freedom point, I don't need to do a job anymore. And nothing would ever change. You would never increase the rent. It would always be $250 a month and so forth. Then obviously you needed 20 of those properties and you would have the $5,000. Now, right. over time, your tenants will pay down your mortgage because that's kind of included in the rent. Right. So shortly, because obviously, you mentioned the long term, This nobody buys 20 properties in two or three years. If you could, then you don't need me. <laughs> but <laughs> sure. if you need my help and want to learn about the details, mm-hmm. I always say it takes probably eight to 10 years. But if you can see that you would do the same thing 20 times if nothing ever changed, Obviously, rents increase. You know, you, you have the opportunity to maybe in two years, instead of $250 on that first house, you get $350 and then maybe $400. And then ultimately, in 10 years, you probably get $500. So all that goes into basically your time freedom point number. So for the vast majority of people, myself, by the way, included, I have 10 properties mm-hmm. and I've reached that point for myself. When you get to about eight, nine, 10 properties, depending on what your number is, you're basically there. Right. And since you acquire them over time, it totally makes sense. Yeah, you start with maybe $200, $250, but by eight, nine, 10 years later, it's realistic that each property is making more. So if your number is 5,000, it probably takes eight, nine, 10 properties. If it's significantly more, it would take mm-hmm. more properties. If it's 4,000, it might only need seven or eight properties. Right. So that's kind of like the principle. Now you can imagine buying houses as if they were like pizzas is not quite as easy, right? Like, so it's a lot of detail, but the principle to say, what is my opportunity Mm -hmm. this time freedom point for myself, for my family, build a legacy and so forth. I hope with that kind of little relatively short overview explanation, Mm -hmm. it is definitely possible and really has mainly to do with how do you adjust the way you treat your money and the way you treat yourself and your family so mm-hmm. you can reach it either sooner or later. And exactly. obviously, the more help you have to figure out and make no as little or no mistakes, the better it will work. But fundamentally, you know, as if you were to go out and say, okay, I buy my first house, move in two years later, I basically buy my second house and rent the one I, I had before. And you keep doing that. Right you're ultimately going to end up having a portfolio of houses. And the beauty of that is, you know, the government is actually encouraging us to do this Mm -hmm. because there is, as everybody who listens a little bit to the news knows, there's definitely a massive shortage of housing. 
Right. That was mainly triggered from the 2008 financial crisis because every builder and every bank, everybody got afraid of real estate. Exactly. For years and years and years, nothing new got built, but the population of the country kept growing. And so depending on who you ask, some people say we are short 7 million, 8 million. Some people say 10 million units. Now that's apartments and houses and stuff. Right. But that means there is a substantial demand. And I always point, and then we can finish this little episode, but I always point to Maslow when we're talking about investing and doing something with money, because that's kind of like this pyramid of needs. Mm -hmm. And the very bottom, the foundation of that says there are three things that human beings need before they ascend any further. Mm -hmm. That is food, shelter, and safety. Safety would be, you know, like police and military and stuff. Food, right. obviously, you to be able to, to mm-hmm. nourish yourself. And then shelters, you got to stay, live somewhere by yourself or with your family or with your parents. So what we are basically doing in this context and why the government helps us with it through tax incentives and otherwise is one of those three things is we are providing shelter to the public because the only other entity would be the government. Exactly, And they know that they couldn't successfully do it for everybody and they wouldn't want to and we wouldn't want to either. Right? So there is a clear incentive to say, let the private sector, private people like you and me and anybody listening to us participate in providing shelter. And because we do, we are entitled to make a little bit of money every month mm-hmm. and don't have to pay a lot of taxes on it, at least for the first 27 years. And what I like so much about it and and hope that maybe some people get inspired by our um, conversation is this time freedom point that you asked me about. Right. That is really an intermediate goal because when you reach it, when you reach your $5,000 a month, you wouldn't say, oh, now I'm selling everything. No, you would just keep it, collect your $5,000 and guess what? After you reach that point, the rents will still increase one after the next, after the next, the houses will be paid. So you don't have to pay a mortgage anymore. So when people say, what happens actually 10 years after my time freedom point? If you bought 10 properties in today's money mm-hmm. and you were already there, right? You would probably easily make anywhere between 10 and $12,000 a month in exactly. today's money. Right. right. So most people I know can pretty live pretty well with that. <laughs> you know, so... Yeah. It's not that it's an end point. It's an intermediate point at which you have the freedom to decide, do I still want to work? Do I still want to do podcasts or stuff? Exactly. Or not. And you could, <laughs> obviously. But it's getting better even after that. It's not the end. It's just an intermediate step. step. And I, I always want to make sure people understand that because when these houses are paid, then you basically get the vast majority of the rent for every house. Exactly. I love that. So, you know, what you're saying is there's always going to be a need for housing because we always need it. There's um, a deficit of housing. So even more so. And this is something that you can keep on building literally and figuratively. Right. You can keep on adding more and more and more. I love it. And it seems like, you know, such a smart strategy in so many different ways. Um, So tell me a little bit about who your ideal audience or your ideal client is who's the person that when they come to you you're like okay i'm in this is exactly what i need i want to know a little bit more about that yeah there's i would say there's basically three groups of people Mm -hmm. the first 
are people who listen to, let's say, a podcast like you and I are doing right now, and they are, let's say, in their 30s or so, they're out of college, they've started working, they're kind of realizing that the things that the traditional, even the financial media is telling them about, you know, oh, yeah, you know, last four, four five years, stock market was everything, suddenly you're losing 30 percent of what you put in there in a year and stuff so these kind of more or crypto if you want to go that way you right. know like so there are these these kind of highly volatile investments and so that group of people when they get a little bit more mature also about their money and family building and stuff like that they start asking themselves okay how can i do number one things better and safer with my money mm -hmm. but more and more while i like that as one of the groups that is ideal for us is when they make the realization that they don't want like their parents and grandparents to work until 65 or 70 or 75 mm -hmm. you know when they make that combination to say okay i want to use my money more efficiently and i don't want to work forever i want to ideally retire at 45 or maybe 50 then we can really work with them because obviously then their time freedom point would be 10, 12 years in the future and it would be perfect. The second group, I call them the panic group. <laughs> the panic group are the people who have, you know, somehow lived through some kind of what I would say traumatic event. And one of them was last year again, right, where they had like tons and tons of money in their 401k plan on paper. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly the markets start collapsing and what they thought the cozy, comfy living that they were expecting is suddenly 30% less. Right. And the time horizon to make it up, right? Because when you say 401k, the employer just puts the money into some sort of mutual fund or stock fund, but nothing mm -hmm. really worked very well with very few exceptions last year. Right. <laughs> Real estate being one of those exceptions, by the way. Um but most other things didn't. And if that's what you did and you're depending your retirement on it, you suddenly realize, man, what am I going to do? How will I ever make this up again? So they have a little bit of a panic and they have seen that stock market volatility has wiped out and crypto volatility has wiped out people over and over again. While right. those who invested in real estate, which was, by the way, my reasoning when we started the conversation, exactly mm -hmm. my reasoning, I looked at what is the thing that ultimately, if you have some patient work, since it's always been real estate. So oh, I did that and they come and say, I might be late to the game, but can I still make it? And I say, well, if you accelerate a little bit, instead of having to wait eight or 10 years, you have obviously built something in your life. And those people are, I would say, in their 50s typically. Right. And then the, the third category is maybe a little surprising, but hopefully really fitting for your audience. And those are people in business especially when in the last, let's say, five years or so, they started a business, they made it through the pandemic, and they've gotten to the point where there are actually some profits and they're seeing the writing on the wall. Inflation is basically killing the value of money. Stock market wasn't anything good. Crypto wasn't anything right. good. Real estate worked actually really well. And the question, the initial question most of them asked me is, I know that I need to do something for myself and my family because I can't be sure that my business will be there forever, especially the pandemic has shown what can happen totally unexpectedly. The government shuts down your business, can't even do anything about it. So I want to have some security and legacy blanket, so to speak. Um, how can we go about that? And I believe that is a great mindset to have. Mm -hmm. 
because it touches on two things that the other two groups don't have. And that is really ultimately answering the question, do you want to incorporate assets, what I call value assets, like a mm -hmm. piece of real estate mm -hmm. into your corporation? Or do you keep it on the private side and then make it part of your estate plan, mm -hmm. which we're also facilitating help with? Because ultimately, you know, you want to protect yourself from some lawsuit that might take away your assets, right. but you also want to protect and separate your business from your private mm -hmm. wealth. So that's the third group. And anybody who has broken through and, and successfully built a business uh, to some level that it makes profit should, in my view, ask themselves, okay, how do I protect the profit generation capability and how do I build assets? Because ultimately, anybody who has like an S corporation or an LLC knows that you as the owner from your private side, you can borrow to your business side if these kind of things like during the pandemic come again, or right. share own. well, guess what? If you have equity in any kind of personally established investment real estate, you can borrow against it and then have a shareholder loan to your business and then let your business pay you back with interest. And it's all completely above board. Every CPA will tell you that that's totally normal. Right. So from a business perspective, you have basically two potential benefits, your own private right. plus building basically a, a resource, an equity source that you can borrow against. Mm -hmm. if you need. So I'm guessing that this is one of the things that you help your clients with in setting up and, and figuring out how to build those pieces. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the things that I'm a big advocate for is you, anybody. Honestly, anybody, whether you're a business owner or you're a personal person just listening to our podcast right now, anybody, I believe, should have a business for their money. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about the terminology that is pretty common that most people are kind of snickering about a little bit is I want to make my money work for me. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you want to be the employer of your money then you need to have a business because there is no business without being somebody needs to be there. Right? So, and then ultimately we can look at all kinds of different things on how do you employ your money, right? And some people often say, well, how do I get started if I don't have $30,000 to get going with right away? Mm -hmm. But then you start smaller, right? We actually show people how they can start with increments of $50 as the lowest, smallest one in real estate. That's amazing. Right? So that's also when, you know, I always say, pay yourself first, you know, the richest man in Babylon is one of those books that I recommend. And mm. what the guy did to become the richest man is take the first 10% of everything that comes in and pay it first. Well, let's say you have something like three, four, five thousand dollars coming in once a month as your salary. If you take three, four, five hundred dollars and pay yourself first. And make that in increments of $50, you can get six, seven, eight, ten of those little increments in real estate. It's called fractional ownership. Start it. And when that has grown for a while, then you buy your first property. Right. right? So these kind of things, this, these, these mm -hmm. are all part of a model where you're basically focusing towards what do I want to accomplish and how can I employ my money to help me do that? I love that. That's super powerful. Well, this has been such an enlightening and interesting conversation. Now you're getting, I'm literally thinking, I need to buy real estate. <laughs> I need to buy more real estate because it, you know, 
it's just one of those things that will always be a safe bet, I feel, right? And 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 yes, it's a long-term game, but also not necessarily. Um, so I love it. Well, I love you're, it. you're right about that. And one thing, you know, some people have actually asked me recently, okay, we had this huge run-up, you know, during and after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Is it too late? And my question, my counter question, which I know is not very polite, but my counter question initially is always, do you remember what the inflation is right now? And people say, okay, well, it's seven or eight or whatever kind of percentage like that. And I'm saying, okay, tell me any other asset that at that level of inflation can still retain its value. Because if we have price increases, seven, eight percent, guess what? Rents increase seven, eight percent. Guess what? Properties have to increase by inflation because everything gets more expensive. Any shingle on the roof, any uh, any bowl in the in the bathroom that needs to be replaced, any refrigerator, all of that. So when you say what is a house, it's basically the aggregate combination of all these pieces. Yeah. You add it all together, and that's the value. Well, if everything else gets seven eight percent a year more expensive, then that's also happening to real estate and happening to rents. The mm-hmm. one thing, the beauty of the thing overall that doesn't get more expensive is your thirty-year mortgage. Exactly. Right. Right. Because that's the same amount right. and actually yeah. the value of the money. If you say, okay, what is the value of the hundred dollars I pay today versus the hundred dollars I pay in year 10, year 20 and year 30, it's a fraction. Exactly. Now we might not have seven or 8% inflation every year, but I don't think it's going to come back to 2% anytime soon either. Yeah, probably and not. So with that in mind, yes, it was a little crazy, admittedly the last three or four years, but there's, just the simple math, if somebody sits down, takes inflation, those kind of devaluation of money into consideration, it's the reason why it's considered a safe asset is because it plays to the favor of these assets rather than to the detriment. And most others don't, you know, that's that's the biggest thing. So yeah, you might be right. You and others should maybe buy some real estate. It's a great opportunity. Well, Axel, where can people find you and find out more about working with you, getting support around buying real estate. Tell us a little bit more about that. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I mean, we have a a website that's called Mm idealwealthgrower.com. Just the three words, idealwealthgrower.com. And when you go there, our web guy basically made it so that you, after about 30 seconds, you get bucked to sign up for the newsletter. And after about another 20 seconds, you get bucked to sign up for a strategy session. So that's the easiest way to get it done. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been super, super helpful. Go to the website. You can find it in the show notes. And I can't wait to reach out as well and find out a little bit more myself. Thank you so much. Nicole, if you want to have a strategy session, I'm happy to talk to you and and tell you a little more of the details. Perfect. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Gracias for listening to today's episode of the Breakthrough Brand Show. To listen to more episodes or to be featured as a guest, go to fabipaulini.com slash podcast for more details. Can I ask you for something? If you got value out of this episode, would you share it on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or just post it online. If you know somebody that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let me know about the show and include the hashtag 
breakthrough brand of the show. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and subscribe right now. Your thumbs up, rating, amor, love, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean so much to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, fabipaulini.com, or follow me everywhere as Fabi Paulini. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Con amor, Fabi.